observations has changed over time. Um, so I'm now going to share with you the things to avoid when it comes to observations and what to do to have good observations. So I'll start with the things that you should do in order to ensure you have a good observation. First of all, familiarise yourself with the observation criteria. Look through the criteria, have a look at specifically what observer we're looking for so that you can then implement those things and aim for those things in your lessons. And of course, you also have your teaching standards that you have to adhere to um, as well and to try and show that you're meeting as many standards as you can in your observation lesson. Now, the best piece of advice that I was given was to practice my observation lesson before the observation. I mean, it meant that I'd have to practice it with a different class, but the content would be the same. Um, and even though it was a different set of students, which meant it, maybe they had different needs, for example, or different behaviour issues potentially, but it still gave me the opportunity to practice delivering the content of the lesson, especially if it was new to me, and practice the pace of my lesson, practice delivering the tasks that I planned for that lesson to see if I could transition easily from one task to the next. Um, and it helps you to iron out any inconsistencies. I'd also get a colleague to observe me, um, or if it was a member of SLT coming down to observe me, I'd get my head of department to observe me, um, or you could get your mentor to observe you. Um, if it's someone else doing the, the observation late in the week, just to then give you some feedback on that lesson, to give you some input on that lesson, to help you identify the weaker areas and then help you alter and change and adapt um, for your actual observation so that you increase your chance of success. So I did this with my trainee teacher um, a year ago because her university mentor person was coming in to observe her um, for a gymnastics lesson. So I said, well, why don't you do it with our year nines? Because on Monday morning lesson one, um, it was my lesson that I taught, she observed me every week. So I thought, why don't you do it with that group? Monday morning, lesson one. I know they're a different, different year group. They're actually a harder year group compared to the year sevens that she would be observed with. But I said, just have a go because then we can iron out any inconsistencies. We can have a, we can have a look at what works, what doesn't work. Um, and as a result of that, I could then observe her. I observed her and I could identify areas where she needed to work a bit more on, for example, technique, when it came to a forward role, what she, the sort of terminology and the words that she needs to use with the students and how to actually teach that technique. Um, so when it came to actual observation, it would increase her chance of success. Um, so do that prior to observation. It's not the exact same class, not the exact same students, but it'll still make you feel a lot more comfortable having had a go at it with a group, with a lesson, see what works, what doesn't work, and what you might need to iron out and change before your actual observation. Teach as you've always been taught. Don't try and plan and therefore deliver an all singing, dancing lesson because that will be your downfall. You'll lose track of what you're doing. It's not something that you're, always, you're used to, that you've always done, um, and therefore it could lead to a bad observation. Um, so for example, in my previous school, we had CPD sessions for all staff where we were provided with different strategies and things that you could do in your lessons to increase engagement of your students. Um, so don't take all of these things that you're learning in your CPD sessions and implement everything at once because it's just not going to work. You're going to struggle. Um, if it falls through, you're gonna feel like a failure when you're not at all. It's just, they just don't work trying to do everything in one go when you've not had the chance to practice them separately. Um, so 
don't put everything in that one lesson. So for example, um, I tried this with my observation when my line manager was observing me and I implemented something that we were learning, that we were taught even in a CBD session, um, where I had a grid on my PowerPoint with all these keywords and statements in and I gave the students a minute to learn as many as they could and then they tested each other in pairs. So for example, they had to say a keyword and the other person had to say one, they had to keep altering until someone couldn't say a keyword, like they couldn't, they couldn't come up with a keyword um, and then the other person wins. And I gave them another 20 seconds um, or 15 seconds to learn it again and then go again. Um, and then the same with the statements, the different um, definitions for keywords. So one person would say a keyword, the other person has to say definition. But you give them opportunity to look at the board learn as much as they could, remember as much as they could, and then go head to head with somebody. Um, so I incorporated that into my observation and my observer liked it. He liked the fact that I tried something new. He liked the fact that I tried something that they were trying to instill amongst all the staff. I didn't put everything that they talked about. We had lots of different things that they talked about that we could do in the lesson to engage our learners, but I picked one thing, one thing just to try and give it a go. Um, so, and following this observation, he gave me feedback um, in terms of my questioning and said that my questioning was very much like a tennis match. I threw out questions and students gave me answers here and there. They said pinpoint the students, direct your questioning to the student, which is called inclusive questioning, um, which I didn't do back then. This was a couple of years ago, three years ago now. So I emailed a member of the SLT who was advocating inclusive questioning and delivering CPD on this. I went, OK, then let me can I have a look, please? and observe your lessons and see how you do it. So I went and observed their lessons, saw how he did it, their lesson even, and I just copied him ever since. Ever since that lesson, I copied him. I implemented exactly what he did um, as a result of what I observed from him. So when Ofsted came and observed me, they thought my lesson was brilliant because I showed off my inclusive questioning. So don't put everything into one observation lesson. Just try something new that you've been taught in CBD, for example. Um, or if you're concerned about that, that's fine. Don't throw anything new into observation lesson. Just teach as you've always been taught, or how you've always taught. Implement the feedback that you've been given from your mentor previously in observations so that you're not doing everything at once and then um, losing your flow of your lesson and therefore it ends up not being good observation. It's good to plan more than you need. <laughs> so this is something that this is a piece of advice that I do give to my trainees. Like, don't worry if you over plan. I don't want you spending hours and hours and hours and hours planning one observation lesson. That's not valuable use of your time. Um, but if you end up planning too much for a lesson that you think I'm not going to get through all this, that's not an issue. Because if you don't, you've got something to continue with for next lesson. Um, and if you do flow, if your lesson flows quite well and you get to your the parts that you think that you wouldn't have you wouldn't have got to in that lesson, it was too much. At least you have something there available for your students. Those that are progressing and pushing themselves and doing well, you've got progression activities for them. So always have some sort of progression activities implemented in your lesson, including planned in your lessons, so that if your lesson is going well, you do get to that point in your lesson, you've got something to push your students with. So it is better to slightly overplan um, than underplan and panic and worry about what you're going to do um, in your lesson. Why this? Why now? Now, get into the habit of planning with this in mind because this is what Ofsted's all about now. Why this? Why now? And they could ask you that in your lesson. They could ask your TAs this in your lesson. Um, so 
make sure they're aware. I'd always, always share your planning with your TAs. Um, if you have time before the lesson, just have a chat with them to let them know what the lesson's about, why you're doing it, what they've learned before and where it's going to, where we're moving on to next. So that they're aware um, in your lessons. Um, so it's all about why are you planning to teach that specifically in this this part of the sequence of lessons. What have you taught before and what's coming next? Um, so the school I previously worked in had a document for us as teachers so that for an observation, if we wanted to plan using that document and just put pointers on there to show where our lesson, what, what the students learned beforehand, what's their previous knowledge, what knowledge do I want to impart, impact on them in this lesson, what do I want them to learn today, and where this is going to take them in the future for the next lesson. Because lessons should never be standalone. They have to be within a sequence of lessons. You have to show the sequence of lessons. You have to show understanding of the sequence of lessons even. If you're questioned by Ofsted or an observer, your mentor, SLT. Lessons should never be standalone. They should follow a sequence of lessons. And there's a sequence of learning um, in terms of the lessons that you're teaching. And make sure your TAs know this, because it is likely that your TAs will be asked by an Ofsted inspector or mentor or your mentor or an SLT member, um, why this, why now? I mean, my tears were um, in my lesson. So make sure that you have, you planned this in mind and you know exactly where your lessons are going for your students and where you've come from, where they've come from. If your observer is only doing a 20 minute observation, okay, this means that they can come in at any time. <laughs> if they come in halfway through the lesson, for example, make sure you incorporate the LO into your lesson. You bring your less, you bring the um, attention of your students back to the LO um, in your lesson. I did to my, my offset lesson. My students did a task at the start. Um, they walked in just at the end of the task, and I'll then start questioning on what they did in that task, and I referred back to the LO. So this is why we're doing this, because today we're looking at this, and I made sure I reflected back to the LO. Um, I said what the LO was. I made the students aware of it. I made the offset aware that I'm, I made the offset inspector aware that I've told the students they know what the LO is. <laughs> And I'm, put, I'm directing them to the LO. And I had my LO at the top of every single slide um, so that the kids could refer to all the time.